we do have North with us today as well. I want to give a huge round of applause to uh, Shoreline City North. We love you guys a ton. The team showed up early, setting up, tearing down, and I'm so, so incredibly proud of all of you. We had, we have an Oak Cliff and a Mockingbird campus as well that have not yet gotten off of the ground. We have been doing this phased approach. So those who are part of those campuses, thank you for continuing to stay locked in. We love you tremendously and believing for God. Do great things in your life. And for everyone who's at home or in a neighborhood right now, I cannot wait to see what God is going to do in you and through you. I, I have a, a lot of anticipation. I do, I have it every week, but, but definitely today. I, I think God wants to meet us exactly where we are and really wants to push us forward. Are you ready to grow today? Everybody ready to grow? You ready to grow? I know, I know I am. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. Mark chapter 10, verse number 1, says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside on the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered that Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. Everybody say lock in, lock in. let go. We have been in this series over the last few weeks, this lock-in and let-go series. I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I've been fired up. I have been growing. I've been challenged. Uh, someone was kind enough today to give me some Reese's peanut butter cups. I want to say thank you very much for that, Liliana. Uh, she gave me some Reese's because I have not been having any sugar uh, for this entire month. Uh, the other day, though, I did make a mistake. I was out with some friends, and I tasted some syrup, and it was delicious. <laughs> it was delicious. I loved every bit of it. Uh, that was on accident, though, so Lord, the Lord has forgiven me. Uh, even if it was on purpose, he would have, he would have forgiven me. Uh, with that being said, we've been in this lock-in and let-go because we're trusting that God is really trying to do some significant things in our lives. We, this is a year of increase for us, and we're trying to position ourselves to receive the increase that God has for us because we believe he is not done with us yet. So today, we have just looked at this passage of Scripture in Mark, and the title of today's message, the thought behind today is is God said so. God said so. 
Uh, week one of this series was this one thing, and then uh, week two was walk this way, and then I got another three-word uh, title, which is God said so. And I, I want you to have this in your heart because this is an important piece around the passage of Scripture that we looked at today and around what God is trying to do in your life. I need you to understand that God has made some announcements about your life, that he is so for you, that he's actually very much on your side, that if your marriage is struggling right now, I need you to know that God has an agenda for that marriage and he can bring you out of that pit and that struggle that you are in. If you're a boneheaded idiot right now, like, like your head is stuck up your behind somewhere, can I say that in church, and you're just not making the right choices, and you're being an idiot, and everybody in your family is like, what is going on with you? I want you to know that God in his grace can pull your head right out of that behind, and he can. Come on, help me. Help me here. Help me here. Don't leave me by myself. Come on. We're real here. We're real. Listen, you act like an idiot, talk like an idiot, live like an idiot, all this, and God in his grace is like, hey, I've been saving idiots my whole life. You got one preaching to you right now. He saved me. He made me new. He put, he put me on a, on a right path, and he still is doing that. God said so. God said he is for you. He is on your side. He is not done with you yet. As a matter of fact, every time God says something, it trumps what everyone else says in your life. Every single time. I know my kids, man, I love them so much, but they argue. Do your kids argue? Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Whenever my kids grow up, my wife and I are going to go over their house and just argue, just for the fun of it. We're not going to get along on purpose just so they can feel what it is like. But, you know, one of the great things about having kids is you have free labor, right? I mean, parents, we understand this. And if I'm upstairs and I say, you know, my, our middle and our youngest, they love each other, but man, they're at each other all the time. So Grayson, you know, he's got to go tell Elle and Elle's five and she's a little girl of the family. So, you know, she kind of runs the house and I, I get it. And she probably needs more spankings, but I'm not doing it, okay? <laughs> she's my favorite. So with that, <laughs> I say, I say, hey, Grayson. Go downstairs and tell your sister, I need, I don't know, let's say a bottle of water. And when he goes downstairs, I can hear him. I can hear him, L, get dad, a bottle of, get dad a bottle of water. No, Grayson, I don't have to listen to you. I mean, I can, I can hear him going back and forth. I can hear him going back and forth. Then I hear Grayson say, dad sent me down here to tell you to get him some water. She's like, oh. Now that's different. Because daddy said it. Because daddy said it. I mean, there's some things in your life that they're just not letting go of you. But when daddy says it, I'm just telling you, they, got, they have to let go of you when your daddy says it. There, there's some struggles that you have been in, and they thought they had the authority to do whatever they wanted to do in your life. But God said something about your life. God said you will be free. He said you would be new. He said you would walk in purpose and strength. And since God said it, it's as good it's as good as done. Uh, we have, over these last few weeks, been looking and talking through some, I think, 
significant things for our spiritual development as we've been looking at idols and talking about what these are in our lives and how they've been impacting our lives and what uh, you and I have need to do in order to get our lives in order. And last week, I mean, we're talking about uh, these four things that the children of Israel walked through as warnings. And again, if, you, if you're just jumping on this journey with us, I encourage you to go ahead and, and, and take a look at the messages. Uh, but today, as we're at this passage of Scripture, this is Palm Sunday. And, and, and in Palm Sunday, in this passage of Scripture, Mark uh, chapter 11, or Mark chapter 10. Which one was it? 11. Yeah. Mark chapter 11. Um, Jesus is about to ride in to the city on this colt that has never been ridden. And there's all these palm branches that'll be, that are being put down. And, and you might not know this, but there were millions of people that were probably in the city at this time. The great historian Josephus tells us some 30 years later, like two and a half million people would all converge on Jerusalem at this time of the Passover. People from all over the place. This is the music festival of all music festivals. This is a Cowboys game on steroids. This is them in the Super Bowl. In Jesus' name, let it happen, Lord. This is individuals from everywhere coming into the city. And when Jesus is walking, is riding in on this colt, individuals are taking these palm branches and they're shouting, Hosanna, which means save, but not just save, but like save now. They're crying out to Jesus saying, you're the one we've been waiting for. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of Israel. Like you're our Messiah. You're our Lord. You're the one we have been waiting for. It is powerful and beautiful, but in this passage of scripture, I want to pull out some pieces that might not be um, clear on the surface. But if we dig a little bit, I think every one of us can grow today. Can I talk to you like your leaders for just a second? Can I talk to you like your leaders? Okay, first, first piece here, we see that Jesus sends out two disciples. He sends out two. Now, Jesus has a lot of disciples, but, but he sends out two, and then there's, there's that main 12, right, that he has. He's 12 apostles, but he sends two of them into the city. We do not get their name. We don't know which two he sent, but we know he sends two, and at least 10 stay with him. I want to talk for a second about the idol of comparison, the idol of comparison. You know when your friend gets picked for something that you don't? You know, when you've been believing God, I mean, not only believing God, you've been going to the gym, you've been working out, you've been, you know, got your teeth worked on, uh, Botox, uh, Spanx, uh, who knows? You, you're doing everything you possibly can to get yourself ready for him or her to come into your life. You're like, girl, I'm telling you, this is my year 2021. This is my year. This is my year. This is my year. I know he's bringing my Boaz. He is coming this year. God, bring that man into my life. And your girlfriend sitting there, and she's looking all frumpy, and she's got Cheez-Its on her shirt, and her hair's not done. And she's like, well, I thought 2020 was my year, but it wasn't. And then a week later, she's dating somebody. And you've been over here on the elliptical all this time? 
putting your life on the line with COVID at the gym. You're like, I can't, COVID ain't stopping me. I got to get a man. And, and she's over here with Cheez-Its on her shirt. Like, the Lord, the Lord, I mean, he's just taking care of me. He's just taking, you like, he ain't taking care of nothing. I mean, that's, that's a good seven hours right there to get all that energy out on the elliptical. You, uh, you look at her. You're like, hey, this is not, this ain't fair. This, 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 this is not measuring up. This, this is not right. I, I've been investing so much into my business. I've been giving so much time, so much effort, so much energy. I, I, I've, been, I've been giving, I, I've been raising support. I've been, I've been talking to investors. I, I've, I've had my business plan. I, I've got everything mapped out. And this person that just kind of shows up, all of a sudden their business taken off and, and mine is still struggling. What, what, what's going on here? Here we are, we're going to church, and our marriage is struggling, and these people over here, they're not even going at all, and it seems like they're so happy. The, 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 the comparison. And when you and I start comparing, it's a really, really dangerous place to be because you and I, you, you, you know this, you either end up lower or higher, right? You're either superior or inferior whenever you're comparing. And you look at it and you go, okay, okay, well, I'm doing better than you. So now, since I'm doing better than you, that means God loves me, he's for me, he's happy with me, he's proud of me. But if I see someone else that's doing better than me, well, I guess God's not for me, God's not with me, God's not on my side. And now your worth and value fluctuates based on the scrolling that you do on Instagram. Oh, I'm doing good. Oh, I'm doing terrible. Why do they get asked to speak there? Why, why, why do they get that promotion? How, how do they get invited to that party? And I'm not invited to that party. How, why, why are they singing and I'm not singing? How do they get that leadership position? I didn't get that leadership position. How are they dating somebody and I'm not dating somebody? How do they get that friend and I don't have that friend? How, you, you know the rat race that we're on here? The, the, it's, just, it's all right here in the palm of our hand. And this comparison is killing us. We're looking at people's homes. We're looking at people's kids. We're looking at people's bodies. We're looking at people's relationships. We're looking at people's neighborhoods. And we are going, our worth and value is going up and down. And it's interesting to me that Jesus only sends two of them. He could have sent all of them, but he only sends two. And I wonder if the other 10 are sitting back going, we're not worth as much because he didn't send us. He must not trust me because he didn't send me to do that. He must not be for me. And I, I dare to say that Jesus wanted to use both sets of people to say, hey, I can pick who I want to pick to do what I want, when I want them to do. You don't need to worry about everybody else. You need to worry about what I've called you to do, where I've called you to be. And if I want you waiting right now, then that's okay for you to be waiting. And if I want you working right now, then it's okay for you to be working. But wherever I have you, your worth and value does not go up and down based on the season of life that you are in. If you and I can digest this one, you'll live with a lot more freedom. You'll set a table when friends are coming over, 
not to beat someone else or to impress people, but because you love God and you love people so much. You just want to lay out the red carpet for folks because you care about them. So now it's not about your ego and it's not about you getting pats on the back. It's about you loving on God's kids the way God wants you to love on his kids. This idol of comparison is killing us. Dare I say God is trying to kill the idol of comparison. But not only do you see this idol of comparison, you, you see that Jesus ends up asking his disciples to do something he could do himself. He, he says, can you go to the town, and uh, when you get there, you're going to find a colt. No one's ever ridden on it. Untie it. Bring it here to me. That's what I need you to do. Untie it. Bring it here to me. Jesus was an able-bodied individual. He could do this himself. But here he is asking someone else to do something that he could do himself. I really like this. I really like it because it tells me that for the follower of Jesus, there may be seasons of spectating, but it always transitions into seasons of participating. Meaning Jesus at the beginning is okay with you and I watching what's going on. But at some point in time, you and I have to get up off of our blessed assurance <laughs> and take a step and begin to participate in what he is doing. Like Jesus could send an angel to all of your family in the middle of the night and say, look, he's the Lord. And your family member ah, falls down on the ground. And they run to you the next day, and they say, oh, my goodness, the angel of the Lord showed up. He could totally do that, but he doesn't. Instead, he asks for your heart to be so consumed with his love and his grace that every room you walk into, your, his love and his power would flow out of you, and people would experience him. Now you're the angel. Come on with me. You got, you got to work with me here. You got to work with me. You and I are expecting God to do everything. And God's like, hey, I can do everything. But what I want is I want you to participate with me to make it on earth as it is in heaven. Stop being a spectator. My friends, 2020 tried to turn the church into just we watch at home. We sit at home. We just consume. We just, it's about us. It's about us being fed. It's about us being comfortable. And I'm a-okay with us having times and seasons of rest. I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy to have rhythms of rest. It's healthy. I'm not asking you to become some religious person that's so consumed with trying to perform for God that your relationship with God is really null and void because you're trying to basically earn God's favor and the cross is his announcement that you can't earn it. He already did it for you. But because of how far Jesus went, because he was willing to give his entire life, why in the world are we as followers of Jesus content for him to do everything and for us to stand back and just kind of watch and see what happens? Why is it we are okay? Treating God's kingdom worse than we would treat our own house. It's not like you sit at home and go, well, these bills will just get paid. 
don't get paid. <laughs> they'll get paid. Teenagers, you're like, hey, this test, ah, it'll work out. It'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. I don't have to do anything at all. It'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. No, 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 no. If you don't study, you usually fail. If you don't work, you don't eat. So why in the world, when it comes to the kingdom of God, do we think we can, we're, it's enough for us to hear good messages and, and just that be enough, us just to consume the word of God and not have to live the word of God? What, what, what happened here? I feel like I have to kind of wake us up, back, wake us back up as a church a little bit, not just Shoreline City. Dare I say, a lot of the church, because 2020 just went like, what we're talking about right now is the idol of coddling. This is the idol of coddling. The idol of coddling. Here you go. Here you go. You okay? You okay, baby? You okay? You okay? Shh. Shh. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. Shh. Shh. Oh. That offended you? Oh, oh, oh. Come here, come here. Oh, oh, that offended you. Oh, that hurt, oh, that hurt, oh, that hurt your feelings. Oh, oh, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so sorry. So sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Wait. Wait. What in the, who? I didn't sign up for this, okay? When I became a pastor, I didn't sign up to coddle. I need you to know that. God did not call me. To go, hey, come here, but come here, but come, come here, come here. You little Gucci, 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 Gucci. No, no, no. There's a season for that. It's called babies. That's what babies get. Okay. So whenever someone's like, oh, I'm in your mouth, in your mouth, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So how do you want me to lead you? Where, where, where are you trying to go? Because if you can't handle this, then I think the call that God has in your life, you're going to abdicate the position that God has for you because there's, there's so much opposition where you're going. Okay, okay. Um, when they show up to the guys or girls, whoever it was, in the city, and they say, hey, they start untying the colt. The people say, what are you doing? What are you doing? I so appreciate that they did not run. It's not their colt, okay? So this is kind of weird what Jesus tells them to do. Hey, 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 go down to that person's house. Open up their drawer. Take the keys out, okay? Get in their car. Bring the car to me. <laughs> if the owners ask you, yo, man, what are you doing? If they're carrying, you, you say, hey, 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 hey. Jesus? <laughs> he asked me for the car. Okay, 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 cool, cool, cool. I didn't know. You should have told me Jesus sent you. If I knew it was Jesus... 
as crazy as this would be in our day, this is what they are doing. They get there and they are faced with opposition. Anytime Jesus is asking you to do anything in this world, no matter what it is, it will, it will, you will face opposition. Do not be surprised that there's opposition. Do not be surprised that someone's like, what are you doing? Or why do you believe that? Oh, are you going to take that stand? And I'm not saying, we don't have to be mean. We don't have to be rude. We don't have to be arrogant. I, I don't know how that got trickled into the church that all of a sudden we thought, because we had a truth, we could speak down to everybody else. No, my friends, we don't, we're not trying to speak down to people. As a matter of fact, we laid down our lives for humanity. That's what our Savior did. I'll tell you this. He actually was the hardest on religious people. Not sinners. The church has that backwards. We're the hardest on sinners, and we coddle religion. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's talk with sinners. Let's sit down for dinner with sinners. Let's say, hey, I don't see that the same way you see it, but I still love you. I'm still for you. I'm willing to sacrifice for you. And they're like, no, no, you got to believe. I'm, listen, I'm not changing what I believe uh, because what I believe is actually I love you. That's my biggest belief. My biggest belief is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's my biggest belief. My biggest belief is that by, me, by my loving you, I get to point you to Jesus. So, I, 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 don't want, I don't want this. I don't want this. There are some times I want it. I'm like, honey, come on, I don't need a ton of truth right now. Just give me a little like. It's been, honey, it's been 30 days. I've been trying to work out. Just tell me I look good, okay? I don't need truth. Right now, I do not need all that truth. I just need to be like, mm-hmm. That's all I need right now. There's, there's times. I get it. But not a culture of coddling. Not a culture of you and I dumbing ourselves down, trying to make everything so palatable and easy, that there is no conflict and there is no growth. You will not grow without resistance. You will not grow without resistance. You will not grow without resistance. You came into this world through resistance. You and I have been facing problems and issues our entire lives. It's making you stronger. It is making you better. When they get there, they say, Jesus is the one that told us to do this. I like that they don't quote themselves. They quote Jesus. I like that they don't make it about their word. They make it about Christ's word. Uh, I wrote it down like this. Who you quote first is whose word you value most. Okay? Who you quote first is whose word you value most. So when you are in a conflict or when I'm in a conflict, do I go to Jay-Z? <laughs> Well, you know, it. do I go to Beyonce? Do I, do I go to Queen B? Well, Lemonade, do, do I go? Where do I go? Am I quoting the newest Justin Bieber song at this point? Where do I, who do I quote? What politician do I quote? What lawyer do I quote? What philosopher do I quote? What friend do I quote? Are there any scriptures? Do we know what he says at all? 
Because our world is inundated telling us that everybody's opinion matters equally. And I just say, everyone is, uh, everyone can have an opinion, okay? Everybody can. That's your free right. God gave you free will. You ought to have an opinion. But to say every opinion carries equal weight, I just don't believe it. Come on, this, this, for some of us, you're like, wait, really? What? Yes. Jesus said, not you are the way, the truth, and the life. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no guilt. There's no shame here. If you don't know what he says, you can fix that. You can fix it. One of my favorite websites is thebibleproject.com, bibleproject.com. Go, go there. Go, go to bibleproject.com. You can become a theologian in the most, in the healthiest, easiest way possible. It's so palatable. I do it with my kids sometimes. We're looking, what is the book of Mark even about? And I'll sit down with them, and it's like all this drawing and this commentary, and it's so easy to understand, and it puts it in pictures. I appreciate pictures. And it, and it kind of writes all this stuff down, and it lays it out. Bibleproject.com. You can know. What the scriptures teach so that when you and I are faced with what do I cut this corner or do I not cut this corner? We can go back to the word of God, not just the way our mentors live their lives. You got to have good mentors. You got to have people that are helping you along the way. I got to have them as well. But for every single one of us, what does the word of God say? Okay, now go with me. Go with me. I want to. I want to look at these uh, couple verses. I'm, all, I'm. I'm just about done here. I'm just about done. Ben, you need to come out here. Ben, you can come out here with me. Uh, go, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Look at verse number two. It says, "Saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt, colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Untie it and bring it here." If anyone asks you, oh, verse number three, we skip over verse number three, go to verse number four. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they were, as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? Do you see tied, untied, untying? You see, I saw in here, I saw in here kind of the different levels of deliverance and freedom. Okay? I saw this different, different levels of deliverance and freedom. Untie is like uh, what will be isn't yet. Untying is what is happening. It's, it's happening, but it's like not yet done. Then untied is like, it used to be, but it is no more. I, 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 want, I, want, I want you to follow with me here for just a second. Okay? I want you to see this. Because pornography, manipulation, lying, deceit, anger, 
Uh, there could be a whole host of things, gluttony, fear, whole bunch of things that we are dealing with, okay, because we're real people battling real stuff. That's why for me, for my lock-in and let go, my lock-in was, uh, my let go was insecurity. I'm like, okay, God, I need you to help me with this. So the question is, where, where am I at in this journey here? Am I already untied? Is it, is it untying? Or has somebody announced untie? I feel like God has announced to every single one of us everything that you are battling with, every idol that is in your life, every bit of fear, every bit of perversion, every bit of darkness that is in your life. God has made an announcement to you. I want that thing untied in your life. That is what he speaks over every single one of us. If your father or your mother have been battling with that or your grandparents battled with it and you find it in your DNA, you feel like it's flowing through your veins and you don't want to have that same legacy and that same generational curse, if you will, or that same bondage, I need you to know that God is not wanting you to live forever with what kept your family in bondage for years. The poverty does not have to stay on your family. The fear does not have to stay on your family. The guilt does not have to stay on your family. The brokenness does not have to stay on your family. The alcoholism does not have to stay in your family. The doubt does not have to stay in your family. You can be a new man and a new woman. Every teenager, I want you to know it. Every person up north, I want you to know it. Every person at home, I want you to know it. That you can and will be free in the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to own that. Like, that's mine. I'm gonna go black church TD Jakes for a second. Fist bump a neighbor and tell him it's mine. Thank you, Bishop Jakes. I need you to see the process. There are, there are some things right now in your life that are, that are, that are untying. You're in the middle of it. When you're in the middle of it, the devil will try to make you think that nothing's working. Because you were free, like you had a good two weeks, a good three weeks. Then you, then you stumble, you fall. And then you, you and I think that we go all the way back to the beginning We start all over, and all the progress we made has been nullified. Now, when you and I fall, there is collateral damage. This is what sin does with our relationships with people. That happens. But I need you to understand in your relationship with God, He is not taking you back to square one every single time that you mess up, okay? He's not doing that. His grace is sufficient and he carries you through the process. Now, if you're not willing to go through a process, then I'm telling you, you're not interested in being a follower of Jesus because there are some things he does not do with just waving his hand. There are some things he says, you gotta walk with me. You gotta walk with me. You gotta walk with me through this one. But I want you just to take it away. I want, I, want, I want you to walk with me. I prayed three times for him to take it away. He didn't take it away. Instead, he said, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. Matter of fact, if you didn't have this thorn, you might get too much in your head and be too prideful. So I get this problem is in your life to keep you relying on me.
the grace of God. The untying that is happening. Now, there are some things in my life, I, I, in, in this room up north, online right now, I'm telling you, I could have some people that could, I could have hundreds of people, dare I say thousands of people on this platform that could get up here and they could tell you some things in their life that God has actually already untied. Like there were some areas where they were bound and God in his grace and his mercy, and for some of us it took one week, but most of us it took 15 years. And God carried us all the way through and now we can stand up and say, but for the grace of Almighty God, I'm telling you, I am free, I am new, I'm not bound by that thing anymore. I have come to new life in Jesus. There is hope for you. I, there are so many people. Okay. My last verse, my last verse, my last verse. You guys are getting me too excited. You guys are getting me too excited. People are, people are in their living room right now going, what in the world? Okay, I don't have my Bible. They took my Bible. First Samuel, chapter five. Thank you, team. Team, you did great. Thank you, team, so much. First Samuel, chapter five. Uh, I don't have this memorized, okay, but I, but I, but I, know, I know the idea of it for verses like one through, I think, four-ish or something like that. Uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. It's like the presence of God in the Old Testament. It's like this, this represents who God is. The Ark of the Covenant is stolen. They take it and they bring it to this place called Ashod and they bring it there and they put it in the temple of this other God named Dagon, okay? They put it in there. And the Ark of the Covenant is big G, God, is next to this little G, God. And when the, the people who handle the temple come in the next day, they see Dagon, poof, he's falling over. So they come in and they go, whoa, wait, what, who knocked this over? Get over here and like, uh, Pick it back up, they put it back in place. Next day, we don't know what happens at night, but the Lord's just like. <laughs> he flicks it, knocks it over. The next day they come back and they see this idol. His head is broken off and his hands are broken off and he's just laying there. And they're like, wait, what's going on here? This is a picture of what I believe God is trying to do with all the idols that are in every one of our lives. That his presence is getting so strong and he's so filling our lives that the idols that you and I have tolerated for years, God's like, hey, knocking those things over. Now what we can't do is when you respond to that DM, Because he's fine. She's fine. So my worth and value is connected to them loving me. So if, if God's going to knock it over, I can't have him knocking it over because it's as if he's knocking me over. But God's like, girlfriend, you don't need that man. You don't need that woman. You don't need that job. You don't need that validation. The cross is enough validation for you. You have been made new in Jesus. And since you've been made new in him, you don't even need 
what God's been trying to knock over. You don't need it. You don't need what God's been trying to knock over. You don't need it. 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 And God, for what he's trying to do for all of us, whether you are young or whether you are old, whether you know a bunch about God or you don't know really anything about him at all, what he's been trying to do in all of our hearts and our lives is saying, hey, put me on the throne of your life. Make me first in your life. I'll tell you, I'll tear down idols. But would you please stop picking them back up? I'll tear them down. But would you please stop picking them back up? I'll tear them down. Okay? I'm not mad at you. Please stop picking them back up. Friends, God is trying to push us forward. He's trying to grow us and develop us and help us to become who he's called us to be. And his love for us is so real and so deep. And I want us walking in and living in this increase, this new life that Jesus has for us. But we don't get that by carrying all these idols with us. It's a new day for all of our hearts. It's a new day for all of our lives. May we walk in the grace that Almighty God has given to every one of us. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment, whether you are online right now or whether you are in the room. I want to ask you, North, White Rock, wherever you are around the world, Colorado, Nashville, Texas, or California, wherever you may be, I want you to know that God is so with you right now. He's so for you. He's so on your side. But he's saying, son, daughter, I don't want to just be part of your life. I want to be the center of your life. I want to be the center of your life. I want to be the center of your life. So, Father, I thank you right now that you are knocking down idols and dealing with our hearts. And you're drawing us closer. So whether a person is young or old, whether they're new to faith or they've been following you for years, I'm praying for a transformation from the inside out. Holy Spirit, this is what you do. My preaching can't do it. Our applause can't do it. Even our excitement cannot do it. It has to be a work of the Spirit. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving through cameras and you're moving through living rooms and you're moving through seats and you're moving through auditoriums and you're moving through phones and you're moving through every, every medium you possibly can to meet us exactly where we are. As a matter of fact, if you're under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. You've never made him first in your life. But you're hearing me right now and you're saying, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I do not want to be first in my life. I want Jesus Christ to be first. I do not want to be in the driver's seat of my life. I want Christ to be in the driver's seat of my life. I'm not asking, uh, do you kind of, do you believe in God? I'm asking, are you ready to give your heart and your life over to Jesus to make him number one? If that is you, you've never given your heart to Christ or at one point in time you did and you slipped away. I don't care where you are in the world. I don't care what brought you to this moment. I need you to know that God is interested 
interested in grabbing a hold of your very soul right now. So on the count of three, I want you to do something simple but something bold. I literally want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart, my life to Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just throw your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Come on. We've got teenagers. We've got older people, younger people, people all over the world. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Jesus. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor, put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. Every person, whether you're married or single, old, young, whatever your ethnicity, it doesn't even matter. In this moment, we're all just sons and daughters of Almighty God. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we lift our hands up? Come on. Clap our hands with enthusiasm.